What's going on, y'all? This is Mike Brown, and I just want to welcome y'all to this week's episode of The Art of Letting Go. While I have your attention, don't forget, if you want to start a podcast, you've been thinking about podcasting, you need a sign to start. This is that sign. Uh, You can sign up for my virtual course where I will walk you through how to start a podcast just like this one. And you get a one-on-one mentoring session with me. Also, if you enjoy this episode, it was two hours long. I had to cut it down. But if you would like to hear the full thing, it is available now on Patreon. Sign up. All right. Y'all ready to do this? We are honored. (laughs) All right. Yo, what up? This is Mike Brown, and this is The Art of Letting Go. Today, I have two special guests in the building um this is probably like the most random connection <laughs> ever because i'm like man is is but it's really dope to have y'all here um do y'all mind introducing yourselves sure um i am janina jeff i am a geneticist i call myself a geneticist um with like a play upon words just kind of <laughs> Oding to the fact that I'm a scientist, but I'm also a black woman with a lived experience, and that kind of informs my work. Um, I'm a podcaster, uh, which is kind of how we've connected. Yeah, um, we connected through podcasting, and and and, um, and really, you know, one of the things I'm really kind of like passionate about is teaching our community and being transparent in our community about what's happening in medicine and what's happening in science and really kind of changing the language of science and medicine and making it more accessible. So our podcast is like just very um, taking really hard concepts around race and making it accessible by not using like very heavy jargon and science words uh, which we know are kind of like defined in English, which is, you know, a uh, descendant of colonialism and all these other things, right, that kind of like keep people out of the know. So we are much more, um, I used to say that we would um, translate science. I used to say that a lot. Yeah. Like we would translate the words in science to the community. And I've changed that to, We are making it more accessible because when we say translate, we're implying that the words that are that we currently use are the best words or the words that we should all be using or what we should reference versus we all speak different languages and feel comfortable when we hear those different languages. And in our case, science has never been culturally attuned to anybody else except for white people. Yeah. Um, Not even, you know, Asians who make up a large amount of scientists. So why why is that? So if we make content that's culturally attuned, then maybe we can create a safer space. And it's as easy as like the words you use. Um, and those things can be gatekeepers of keeping people out of stuff. Anyway, rambling. But that's, <laughs> that's what we do on our show. And I love music, which I later learned you love music. I do. I do. I mean, I might have heard you had a mixtape or some sort. <laughs> I might have heard you have bars. I think I might have actually listened to something you produced on accident. I can't remember wow. how, but yeah, I heard you. I heard you got bars. I don't have bars. Um, don't have bars, but I got SoundCloud, and okay. I, I, I'm a big music. Uh, 
Okay, I'm a big I'm I'm a big music person. I like music a lot, particularly like underground music. So that's always been my vibe. That's what's up. All right. Uh, good afternoon. I am Devin Ringo, and I am just a layman who always kind of seems to be around cool people doing cool things uh and i was lucky enough to do that again on this random monday uh so very honored to be on the art of letting go uh with the mike brown with the dr janina jeff um just really sitting here like trying to keep my composure because i'm so excited uh and shout out rock Shout out TZ, <laughs> shout out Meg, shout out Dr. Kevin Lawrence, Henry Jr. We love y'all. Shout out Gerda, Gerda, Gertrude, yeah, forever. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> love y'all. Let's let's go. <laughs> I appreciate that, man, for real. <laughs> oh shit, how are y'all feeling today? I mean, I feel like I, I who are all these people? <laughs> My family these members. These are people y'all know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> through high school and through college uh so his first cousin is is uh my best friend uh kevin and just through high school and college and new orleans and houston and hurricane katrina and everything in between and beyond we've you know we've been there to support um and it's like it's not just him and but like he said his family all these people are you know it's as close as been years and i just you know i love them and they love me so Aww, I love that's that. who all of those people are so dope. I appreciate that. And my family told me to tell you hi today, too. <laughs> I told them I was going to see you. <laughs> well, man, how are y'all feeling today? We are, I feel like we feeling good. Like, <laughs> it's a good day. Yeah. And yeah. mind you, we coming off of Red Eye after homecoming. Wow. <laughs> It was his first HBCU homecoming. What homecoming did y'all go to? Oh, maybe second. Um, Spellhouse. Okay. You know, I went to Spellman. Yeah. So it was our, yeah, it was, it was great. It was my first time bringing a partner to homecoming. Hey, partner. <laughs> oh, hey. Oh, okay. All right. What? What? Is this an Art of Letting Go exclusive? <laughs> boom, 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 boom. <laughs> Oh man, that's my little yeah. (laughs) Real talk. (laughs) Um, But no, I mean, like, uh, we're having a good day. We're having a good day, and just, uh, just been good. So, let me tell you about this homecoming experience. So she's she's been to them before. It's it's you know it's great, but you know it's nothing new to her. It's my first time. And it's been, they didn't have it for three years because of COVID. Yeah. So, of course, it was even bigger. And it was an anniversary year for her class. So it was a big deal for her and her class. We get there and it's so many people. Like, you you go to the entrance and you see a sea of people in front of you. You see a sea of people behind you. And you you get nervous because there's so many people. But everybody's still smiling and having a good time. Yeah. We finally get to wherever the the tent is, and there's food, and there's music, and you keep every five minutes you see a nut one person, see somebody else, and get that like excited ah, hug, and it just keeps happening, keeps happening for hours. 
Like, the yeah. drinks are going for hours. The, oh, my God, so great to see you for hours. And it was just a, a space just full of so much love and fun. Um, funny story. So her sister and my niece, they're both freshmen in the same class this year. So, oh, wow. Uh, ironically, right? And so I got to see my niece, like, <laughs> you know, which is already just, you know, that's my heart. Hey, Ayana. Um you know, hey, Japira. So getting to see them and interacting with them and getting to see sort of this thing that they're going to experience and go through that I didn't get to because I went to UNO and then, you know, Katrina and all that. But uh, it was it was really moving in a way that I didn't think it would be. Yeah, that's what's up. So I have a question for both of y'all. So I usually do this segment where well, I started doing this segment recently called um, it's like a random thought. But the question that I asked a couple of guests that I would like to ask y'all is, when do you know that special person is that special person? <laughs> so it's so funny. There was a thing. Um, there was a thing that we had a good day. One of the reasons why we had a good day, um, you know, we were able to just. We always communicate really well, yeah. but um, we were having a conversation about vulnerability, and it was something that he and I both have, you know, grown with as we've gotten older, and uh, to answer that question, for me, at least, um, it's about giving true vulnerability. Yeah. Let me explain a little bit what I mean. So, I... Uh, I, I would consider myself somewhat extroverted and uh, very transparent, probably share more about myself than the average person. And I realize that that's like, I appreciate, I understand that that's not something that everyone can do. Yeah. But I also, you know, have been in relationships, have been hurt, have been, you know... <laughs> You know, have dealt have dealt with things, and so I say often that I give an illusion of vulnerability. Mm. And there's a baseline of things that I'm comfortable talking about publicly with everyone. And then there's a layer behind this of the things that I'm like, I keep close, you know. And I say it's an illusion of vulnerability because most of the things that I talk about and share, um give another person of like, oh my gosh, she's, she's telling me everything. She's telling me, th and these are just things. Yeah. And some of these things have like evolved over time. So like when I was at Spelman, everybody was middle-class and everything. And like, I came from a middle-class adjacent family, but my actual like parents were not. Yeah. I never talked about what my parents did. I never talked about like why and all like the hardships and that kind of thing. Cause I was really somewhat embarrassed, but like, like things like that over time have been something I felt very comfortable talking about. And so kind of like getting closer to those interpersonal feelings to your question, when have, like, when do you know, like you, you have the one. And, and I don't mean this. I just want to say like, I don't just mean this romantically. Right. Yeah. For like sure. I, I, I mean this, like just even, you know, shared spirits, meeting people, for those sure. kind of things. For and sure. so for me, it's about, when I feel comfortable enough to go to those vulnerable spots that I don't share with everybody. Mm -hmm. So 
you know, I may have a lot of friends and that, but they get the, you know, this part. And it may seem very vulnerable and connecting and maybe meaningful friendships. And they are. Yeah. But there's another layer back there when it's like, okay, this is some things that I feel really vulnerable. And for me, that special person creates a safe space for me to be that vulnerable. Yeah. For me to be imperfect. Yeah. For me to um, talk about my insecurities and there's fear there, but not necessarily judgment. Right. And then that's where I feel like, so for me, it's like, okay, if I can be like vulnerable like that and, uh, you know, different types of relationships require different things, you know? So like yeah. vulnerable like that. Then I'm like, wow, I really trust this person. I really care for this person. We, we, we really share this like soul connection. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's kind of the baseline. I know that was a, a lot, but it's around vulnerability, <laughs> around vulnerability. And to that point, tangent, that was a key thing I listened to very first time, first couple of episodes I listened to your show. Yeah. Where I was like, I think you were like, yeah, man, I created this podcast. I just needed somebody to talk to. I just wanted to talk. I just needed somebody to talk. And it was just like, this ain't even for y'all, low-key. It really wasn't. This is for me. Yeah. And yeah. um, that just created, that that creates that safe space of, like, being vulnerable. And this shit is scary as fuck. <laughs> it is. It is. And I'm curious to know, like, with your podcast, do you, uh, do you find yourself... Well, in comparison to the beginning and to now, were you more vulnerable in the beginning or less? And now are you more aware? Where are you at on the vulnerability from when you started to where you are now? Yeah. Jeez, gosh, I hope I don't get emotional in here. One, I'm not an emotional person. <laughs> so if you see me cry, it's real. Unless you cry first and I might catch you cry. Um So I was, first season, you know, the show is a genetic show um, where we... Uh, teach genetics and we are um, using genetics to decode the lost histories and futures of African descendants. And in the very first episode, I am talking about my own engagement with genetics. And the first season is about identity because a lot of black folks want to connect to their identity when we talk about genetics and genetic ancestry. So I, um, I'm having a conversation with my parents in the first episode and in that episode, I am vulnerable with kind of confronting and, and hearing my mom actually talk about, you know, some personal family story. So that was like me kind of like being vulnerable in a way that I thought would be helpful to the audience because it was centered around colorism and skin color. Yeah. Um, and the fact that my great grandmother actually left um, because she was passing. Yeah. And so I talk about that. And that's like, that's on the list of like, okay, safe to talk about. You want to, oh, okay. Safe to talk about, right? And then there was the end of the season where I started to peel back a little bit more layers. And this is me talking about the things I'm kind of afraid for people to hear. Yeah. Mostly white people. That's real. <laughs> yeah. No, you keep going. Oh, okay. Going. Uh, mostly white people. And so 
towards the end, I start talking about my experiences being the first and only black person in a PhD program. And me for the first time, like vocalizing my first experience of a white person loving me or like deeply caring for me, which I hadn't, you know, I hadn't experienced. And actually I'm here at the annual meeting for, for genetics where like those, those, white women who supported me in my PhD, you know, was my first time ever experiencing that kind of love from a person that wasn't black. At the same time, I'm also dealing with white people who have never really been around black people in this close capacity. And this is mostly my, my, my um, experience with students. So I was the first African American to get a PhD from Vanderbilt. Wow. And in genetics. Yeah, that's very important. (laughs) In genetics. Um, And I knew it when I was matriculating. After I finished, I I never actually said it. I never, it was like when I got my PhD, when I graduated, there was never a statement piece of Janina is the first black graduate student, you know, and I never really owned that title because of this fear that it was making the the white people uncomfortable. And in fact, they had another black student who was there at the same time. He was older than me, but he was a Meharry student. So I was also fearful. Like if I said that, they were like, oh, but we got, mm-hmm. we got so-and-so and they black too. Or there would be some pushback around that statement. And so I never really like said it or owned it. Yeah. And it wasn't until the podcast came out that I really started to like, no, like you did this thing, you owned it, and then and like kind of embraced it a little bit more. So that was a big vulnerable thing. I also talk about in the season, um, you know, uh, and this this was something that was very hard for me. My experience with black men in genetics, mm. and there was a situation where, you know, there was some inappropriate behavior with a. Uh, Black geneticists, a lot of people praise. And so I actually talked about that in a conversation with him. Oh, wow. And it was his first time hearing me express to him how uncomfortable I was in that moment. Uh, Just to give a little bit of back history, he's a senior, much more senior scientist than I am. And I met him when I was in graduate school. And, you know... I, was, I felt like he was making a pass at me. We can go into those details. You can listen to it on the show. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I was really, when we recorded that, ironically, we recorded it in L.A. When we recorded that, I was, like, on the fence on even telling him. Like, it was a big deal. I've been holding this for 10 years. Damn. It was a big deal. And I didn't even know that it was something that was, like, you know sexual or like made me I knew it made me feel uncomfortable I didn't know why I didn't know how to vocalize it I didn't know how to express it and I definitely didn't know how to bring it up to this man who met me 10 years ago and now knows me as Dr. Jeff who's doing these things so um we had this long two-hour conversation about genetics, and then my producer is sending me messages like when we're in the studio. All right, you ready? You ready? Because now I'm I'm having to tell him. I was like, hey, you know, all these years later, I want to tell you how I felt about this 
interaction that we had. And that was me being very vulnerable. Um, and him, him being vulnerable as well, because I just, you know, I just sprung it up on him. And we went back and forth on if we were to include that in the show at all. Yeah. Because to be honest with you, it was a conversation that I just wanted to get off my chest to, um, to acknowledge that it happened, to acknowledge my feelings that it happened, to let myself, let him know that I, di- I didn't like it. Um, and that was big for me. Yeah, of course. And I left that interview feeling like 20 pounds had been left, lifted off of me. And I was just like, so that was really vulnerable. Yeah. We actually wind up putting it in a later episode. So in the in this season, the it's mostly you know geared towards consumer genetic testing. And towards the end of the season, I start talking a little bit more personal about myself. And so we originally were going to put it in the episode that we had him in, but that episode was dark already. We were like, yeah. let's just leave this. <laughs> well, yeah, because, you know, yes. And so we saved that tidbit for one of the very last episodes where I was being vulnerable. So that was another situation. And then lastly, you know, I talk about my father's um, drug addiction yeah, and um, how that impacted me growing up. And these are things that, like, I may have talked to with my best friend about, you know, closed circles was definitely not something that I have shared with a wider audience. Yeah. Definitely something that I felt very uh, worried about. You know, what would people think? Um, my whole first season was like, oh, what, 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 these, what are white people going to think about this? You know, that is how I felt about all the gay stuff on my podcast. Mm. It was like, how are people going to feel about me being... Because people view and see, like, the whole idea of a gay man is one thing. And I guess I subscribe to that shit, too. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like, what are people going to say if I'm putting my sexuality out here more or having conversations about whatever I want to have a conversation about? And uh, I think it, it took me leaving my job to get more comfortable with that. Mm. The one I just left. Wow, okay. Meaning just in gen- just to talk about anything I want to talk about. Because I still have that idea of, like, I got to kind of censor myself because of a job. But fuck that. <laughs> same. Yeah. Like, same. And um, I don't know what your experience has been, but one of the most rewarding things, and I, I tell people this all the time, if you ever have an opportunity to tell your story, tell your story. Yeah. Um when I was like, before I even started the podcast, I was listening to um, the sh- the show called By the Book. And um, two women who read a self-help book and they actually like do all the shit in the book. Yeah. And they like walk you through them doing it. And this one was about dieting. And they were talking about their unhealthy relationship with food and the scale. And like, black women don't really talk about this. Yeah. Uh, it's always been like a historically white woman issue. Yeah. And so I heard that. I was like, oh, shit, that's my story. And it was just like, oh, like, I'm not out here by myself. So it's really important to tell all that shit. That's why I really want more people to start podcasts. Like, that, that is, like, my whole reasoning behind teaching people how to start podcasts. Tell your fucking story. Like... You never know who's going to connect. Like, because people always tell me, I don't know if I have anything. You got something interesting in your life that somebody is going to find interesting. Start there. Talk about that. Dive deeper into it. Like, 
And it'd be shit you don't think is interesting. <laughs> that people find so interesting. For real. <laughs> For real. I find a lot of times the episodes that I'm like, eh, I don't really feel that one. That one was kind of mm-hmm. somebody would hit me and say, hey, when you talked about this, 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 and this, and it's like, wow. So you just got to put yourself out there. And I think... I think I'm ready for like this this whole like people trying to like people try to just jump in and get in on like the business end of it like it's just supposed to happen in that moment and don't make it past like 3 4 episodes and it's just like just do this shit just find some joy in fucking just talking and then let it do what it's supposed to do mhm cuz I feel like the work that I've done in my life outside of like just you know the shit that I've done with this podcast, just being able to share myself and going back and listen to that shit has always helped me grow. Like hearing myself say some shit and be like, oh shit, I said that out loud. <laughs> Same. Yeah. So I said nigga on the first episode of my podcast. <laughs> right. That was a big thing. Yeah. You don't, we had hours of discussion on like, should we say nigga? Should we not say? Because it's a science show. We were using it lovingly. Yeah. In a community with an A, you know? <laughs> um, you know? We were using it lovingly. But um, believe it or not, the biggest criticism I got back was from black people. Wow. Yeah. Uh, mostly people, my friends who work in science and medicine were like, we know you want it to be, but should you, you know? And I'm talking about, like, senior people who I look up to and that kind of thing. And I was just like, you know, maybe I should take this out. And um, my producer gave me a lot of pushback. Said no. Because it wasn't, like, a scripted thing. Right, We yeah. never script the word nigga. That's not how the writing room goes. Right. You know? <laughs> Any nigga you hear in the show is improv. <laughs> you know? It was a nigga moment. You know? <laughs> so... <laughs> I, I appreciate you sharing that because that has been in my mind too. Like saying nigga on the podcast and wondering, like, shit, what are white people gonna think? Mm-hmm. Fuck that. Nigga, so, nigga, 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 nigga. No, I'm <laughs> nigga, nigga, nigga. <laughs> There's a song I heard for the first time this week. Yeah. And the whole lyrics is nigga behind some elevator music. It's just some elevator music <laughs> and it's just nigga 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 to a very rhythmic beat. It is a fire song. What's the, she knows it. I don't okay. <laughs> you, you, you you both know music. You probably heard I it. Love it. Listen. <laughs> That's hilarious. I just heard the song the first time and I was like, this is really a bop. This is really a jam. I'm riding. But this is a lot of niggas. <laughs> it's a lot of niggas in this. this is nigga, 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 nigga. Oh shit. So I don't know. That's my tidbit on nigga. But I do have a question though. It's James Woods, aka that yoga dude. Would feel free to feel free. Step into the breath. Step into the next chapter, the next episode, the next scene of your life. With an inhale and an exhale. Gather all the experience, the knowledge, the wisdom all the trials and the tribulations and bring it right into the next stage with you. Easily as you inhale and exhale. Inhale, bringing in the courage, the strength, the tenacity. Exhale, any fear 
worry and doubt freely moving into the next stage with an inhale and an exhale deep inhale and exhale Let that be a signal that you're ready for the next stage. And as always, feel free to feel free and namaste. Peace. Um. So, well, two questions. Uh, one for you is, you, you do use nigga on the show, but then you also preface it um, with sort of a, hey, we're going to use nigga, and sort of a, a explanation of that. Uh, and my question to you, which kind of goes to my bigger question to both of you, as podcasters who've been doing this for a long time, with audience who've been with you guys, I, and I guess what responsibility uh, do you have as far as the level of vulnerability with your audience? And uh, I guess, is it different for you as sort of a pure artist, um, sort of with your podcast, and you as sort of a science journalist artist uh, with your podcast? Um, and I feel free to you know, I know for us, uh, so when we use nigga the first time, I don't think we gave a, we might have given, I think we gave a disclaimer. Now, every episode, we just put a disclaimer at the top because we, a nigga might power out in this. Episode. You never know. You never know. And so, um, the biggest thing I have learned is to remember that your audience may, your audience has a lived experience too. Mm -hmm. And while the word nigga is used lovingly and um, in positive energy amongst black people, I do realize that that may not be everybody's experience when they hear that word. Yeah. And so it was important when I got feedback around how, from other black people about how it made them feel uncomfortable, it was important for me to acknowledge their discomfort and not dismiss their discomfort. I'm going to just use this word. I don't care if you don't like it, you know? <laughs> uh, I wanted it to be very clear. I'm yeah. using this word. I understand the gravity of this word. I understand the history of this word. I understand black people's complex relationship with this word. Yeah. And I do know that it can be triggering to some. And if it, you know, I just, you know, give people that warning. Because I'm sensitive to certain content, too. I appreciate a warning. Let me know. Yeah. Um, and then... Do you feel like you say nigga a lot? I do. And the crazy thing is, my parents did not let us say nigga growing up. I wasn't up. allowed to say it either. I wasn't. We could say shit and damn, but I could Learned not say it nigga. At HBCU. <laughs> you see? <laughs> you see? You know? So. Another important thing when I learned this was when we were talking about vaccines and COVID. Um, we. When it came to COVID and the vaccines, the people called us to like, like literally people were reaching out to me like, what's going on? Because it happened in my first season. Yeah. And we quickly pivoted 
and all of us put in extra hours to produce COVID content for us, for the for, for safety, really. And um, when we got to vaccine, vaccines, um, there was this word that was going around like non-vaxxers, you know? Yeah. Anti-vaxxers, blah, 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 blah. And uh, I was guilty of using the word in some instances too. And when we made the episode, we made it very clear that we were not going to use that language. And we were not, because when you, you know, we we didn't want it to be like, we do this, you do that. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I am a person who believes in vaccines and you're an anti-vaxxer, so we don't because the purpose of the episode is not to exclude people it's right. to include people um and so vaccine hesitant you know um vaccine cautious like these type of words that really talk about what people's experiences are most people who were on the fence about the vaccines had already had vaccines in their lifetime right but it wasn't given or like it wasn't brought to them in this way so i feel like with me it was al- it's always been um, considering the many different ways of how your audience may experience the content you're producing and not really being in, in, in our like little bubble about it. Yeah. Um, and like really, you know, even with gender, um, we've, we don't use, um, in the, in the, in the vaccine episode, for example, um, we rarely use, uh, men, women, uh, male or female, we rarely use gender terms. Uh, yeah. We, you know, people with uterus, uh, you know, people who who carry a Y chromosome. Uh, we try to get away from like that, and that's a lot of learning on my part too. Yeah, you know, um, but I'm grateful for that. I, I really appreciate it because I tell people all the time, like when it comes to like these words and when it comes to respecting words that people like to be used, as long as it's an expression of love, I don't mind the discomfort. You know, like, you know, tell me your pronouns, ask me your pronouns, like, however makes you feel the most loved, that's the words I want to use. That's real. And That's so real. And sometimes nigga is that word. (laughs) (laughs) And and you're right about that. I don't use it often, but, you know, sometimes if if I'm having a passionate conversation and and I have a... You know, I may have an emotion or something I want to express. It may come out in that way. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I used to be in my head about that a little bit, saying on the podcast. But when it when it comes out, it comes out, you know. Like I said, I feel like um, sometimes in that, in that particular episode, when we laugh about it and it's like a fun-loving moment, especially from young people, they like – and they hear – so, like, our, our, our show has been in, like – and uh, incorporated in curriculums, they hear it and they're like, oh, shit. Yeah. One of the biggest things I'm proud about is um, in our first season, a professor reached out to me from Northwestern Prison University, or I I might be messing the name up, but I know it's somewhere in Northwestern Chicago area. And um, she was teaching inmates genetics and evolution. And she came across a podcast, which is called In Those Genes. She, she, she's like, she sends me an email. She's like, I started using your podcast in my curriculum. Uh, my students are all inmates, so they can't listen to it. But they read the transcript because we, we, we publish a wow. transcript. And they came across some of the jargon, a.k.a. nigga. And, <laughs> and it was like, oh, shit, you know? Um, wow. Sometimes hearing little things like, yeah. hey, girl. Or just little. I know one of the funny things I like to, you know, black women, we go, mm. <laughs> 
you know what that means. Mm-hmm. And you also know, you, you know, you know, but this is cultural. Yeah. Right. But they mean something. And in some places you hear that. Mm, and, you know, like I'd be on an airplane. I hear mm, from the back. I'm like, what happened, girl? You know, like we we share a cultural thing. And right. and so they read they read the show and she reached out. She's like, yeah, girl. She was like, she didn't say, yeah, girl. She was like, um, <laughs> I didn't even know what in those jeans stood for. My students told me. Um, which is another thing. So, like, those little cultural touch points. Yeah. And we all have them as black women, as queer people, as black people, as, you know, all these different little parts that make up our individuality that we could celebrate. Of course, yeah. You know? And so, like, let's celebrate the shit. Like, let's learn from each other. Yeah. But we don't white explain on a show either. I don't do that either. Okay. <laughs> you know? no, I mean, like when I when I do my show and we talk, we just fucking talk. And whatever comes out of that comes out of that. And sometimes I don't I don't even do too much editing to the conversation. Like, I mean, if it's some big spaces within it, maybe, but nah, sometimes I just put it how it is because I feel like that was that was that stream of consciousness that came out within it. So it's like, just let it be what it's going to be. Yeah. I know we jumping around, but how connected are science and spirituality? Because people act like they're two totally different things, but. So have you. Yes. Have you. Okay. So I'm going to drop a podcast, another independent podcast. Okay. Somebody you should go follow a one woman show. I don't think she's a one woman show anymore. Um, which is called a little juju podcast. Have you heard of it? No, I haven't. Little juju podcast. It's an Afro spirituality podcast, and um, her the host. Her name is Juju Bay, and she really kind of walks people through her spiritual journey of like going from Christianity to like learning about indigenous African religions and like merging all that shit together and maybe taking little tidbits of this and that, and just also like expressing yourself as a black woman and not feeling like that expression is tied so deep into it anyway i did an episode with her recently um on epigenetics and trauma and we talk about spirituality a lot and i think science and spirituality have to coexist yeah the big bang theory and like all these origin stories from all these various religious practices are very similar Mm mm-hmm um, when you think about some of these indigenous religions, they were so connected with astrology. And you talk to anthropologists and you hear stories of how we came up with like the 12 hours. And it's just literally people counting these little pieces in between the four fingers. That's that was it. Wow. There was no there was no, you know, that's how they came up with it. Um, wow. Them connecting to ancestors, them connecting our, our ancestors and, you know, early humans really practicing science and spirituality at the same time. So these two things can coexist. They, and I think people are very uncomfortable with that mm-hmm. um, because we love being told a story. <laughs> you know, one of the things of like, this is a tangent a little bit. One of the things I think about with black people and art specifically is that a lot of times we feel like the art needs to tell something to us. It has to yeah. have this meaning. We're very uncomfortable with something that doesn't have a meaning. But it's also like, well, why can't we be free to just let ourselves feel whatever 
it makes us feel. I can look at this picture of a, a black spot and it can be triggering as fuck. And somebody else, it could be happy as fuck. There's no right or wrong answer. Right, yeah. And so when it comes to, like, spirituality and science, people have this, um, we have to pick a camp that it was this way or it was that way. But I actually think in most religious practices in those early days, most humans knew that. They knew that science worked with spirituality. They knew that death was a part of life. They knew that death was also connected to science, like, you ate that berry you may not make it till next right. week <laughs> but if you made it to next week you told other people don't eat that berry yeah that's science right um when people experience emotions after the loss of a loved one um when you start to think about the afterlife of what happens to someone after they die that is spirituality you know and how you feel about it so i think allowing people who are so on the science camp to be spiritual and also believe in their scientific beliefs and those who are more on the spiritual, like these two things can coexist and they have to coexist. And so I think the thing that we don't talk about enough is like, well, how do they coexist? How do they, who, why do we want somebody to be right about this thing? We can't change. (laughs) It happened, you know, (laughs) like more so than like both things could be right. And I think when we start to take that approach of like, uh, <laughs> he always says, yes, but comma, maybe, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's just beautiful thing of like, yes, all these things can exist, comma, but and also exist. Yeah. They don't have to be so um, on different sides. So that's, that's, my, that's my thoughts on it. I appreciate that. Um. What keeps you going with everything that you're doing right now? It's rough. Um, what keeps me going? Mm. Specifically in science, just like why well, I woke up this morning. <laughs> I got different answers to different things. I guess may, more so to your creative journey. Because, I mean, you're a scientist. You don't have to do nothing creative mm. you could just science uh i think it came out of a a need of like me like not having this place to go and hearing science be culturally attuned to my likings uh when i was at vanderbilt you know like uh what do they call it um when you show up at somebody else to work uh shit uh what's the name of it uh yeah, you know, like when you're assimilating and you, uh, you got, yeah, damn, what is the name of, there's a whole podcast called, Code Switching, there we go. Yeah. So like, um, having like, Code Switching was something that I thought was a part of like, the only way I could be successful. And, uh, to, and it might be, to a certain extent, like, my Code Switching in those later years, but like, I don't know about y'all, but, like, when I used to be around all these white people and I would go to Atlanta for the weekend or just even, like, go home and be with other black students and just being able to, you know, we could talk about whatever. Um, and, And then, so just, like, not having that safe space to talk about that specifically about science. Yeah. You know? Um, I remember one time I wrote a paper, my very first paper ever, 
wrote it to the article to the to this journal. I used the word African American throughout the whole paper. They wrote me back and said, "Hey, in our journal, we use the word black. We use black and white. And you just need to." That was an edit. And I remember that shit made me. It did not feel good. And I didn't say nothing. I never spoke out about it. This was paper was published in 2011. I never spoke out about it until 2021, 10 years later. Wow. And it was on Twitter. But like now I feel like I have the, the agency and whatever to speak out about it. But I ain't had no space to be like, wait, why we got to say black? Because black ain't a scientific term. Yeah. You know, uh, African-American isn't either. But like, why do I have to say black um, and lowercase that shit? Right. So, like, <laughs> yeah. but like. So what kept me going was just like, we we deserve this space. Why can't we have this space? Why can't science, you know, be talked about in conjunction with hip hop? Right. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. There's no rules. Like there are no rules. You right. Know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um. The other thing is that like, and I tell I tell white people this now, that um when they meet a person like me, they always are like, okay, like tell us how to serve, serve, solve all the DNI problems, <laughs> right? And I talk about DNI stuff all the time, and I tell people all the time, I have a PhD in genetics, and I have a PhD in DNI. I have a lived experience in genetics that inherently is, you know, DNI relevant, <laughs> DEI right, relevant, right. right? I don't even know yeah. the acronym, but like DEI relevant, but I'm not an expert, but I tell them, when you ask black people in your organization or the next black person you know, tell me about, you know, this experience. Or even, like, like not even about race, right? Like, if tell me about your, your queer experience. Tell me about, like, all that. Queer, black. But yeah. pay me for it. Pay me for it. You know why you need to pay me for it? Because it is a privilege to be able to talk about these things that obviously traumatize me, too. It is a privilege <laughs> to talk about this trauma and not also, like, let that shit weigh on me. And so how do I keep going? I realize that everybody can't do this. Right. Everybody can't talk about this trauma and be like, all right, cool. When's the next time you want me to talk about slavery? You know? <laughs> Like, I don't want to talk about slavery every day. Nah, <laughs> nah. But if nobody else can talk about it and I have the mental capacity to talk about it and, and, it, and it can help you and, and help others, then I see myself as um, privileged in that. So I tell white people all the time, like, yo, black people and people of color don't want to sit up here and talk about their oppression all the time. Hell no. And, like, yes, you should be compensated for it. You should definitely be compensated for it. So, yeah, I know that, like, um, when I won the Spotify comp, not a crier, okay? I'm not a crier. <laughs> when they were announced, and they announced me first. It was the first, wow. they announced me first. Like, so just to give perspective, 18,000 people applied for this shit. I made it to top 20, then top 10, and then I was wow. one of three winners. And... Thank you. Thanks. When I won, I was like, I had a little ugly cry. I got some two two little ugly cries. <laughs> my first ugly cry was right before my PhD dissert defense. And that ugly cry was like, like, you weren't supposed to be here. Like, yeah. you know what? Like you were your daddy was on drugs. You know what I mean? Like your parents at the time hadn't finished college. Like, you up here about to be the first you like that shit. It was ugly cry moments. You know, I felt my ancestors and all this stuff just like, wow. 
Then my second one was after I won the Spotify competition and I was just like ugly crying and I was just like thinking to myself like, yo, like this is really dope, but like I get to do this. Yeah. Like I'm just, you know, I don't like a lot of people when you get successful like to make it seem like you so different than everybody else especially white people like you a good one mm-hmm. like you yeah you know if, if you just pull yourself up from the bootstraps and like push through it you know all you got to do is be the best and the brightest and the whatever whatever yeah. and i'm like yeah dr janina did it you could do it too i'm like everybody don't deal with trauma in the same ways right yeah and so i'm not no special than anybody else i'm just privileged enough that i have been able to kind of work through these difficult challenges in ways other people, you know, may need different support systems than what I yeah. needed. And so I'm in no way a unicorn or anything like that. I am a person who has privilege. And I also am a person who has, you know, sacrificed and have dealt with stuff too. And these my combination just look like this. So don't try and make me seem like I'm this great. I mean, not to say I'm not. I'm just saying, <laughs> like, you know, white people make it seem like you're this rare being that they found and it's like nah i'm not yeah you know and i'm actually trying to make make more room for for other people i feel that i feel that like one thing you said that i don't hear a lot of podcasters say is that i want more people to be podcasting (laughs) You, you know what when i was making music i used to hear people say all the time man everybody want to make beats everybody want to rap so the fuck what? <laughs> like, yeah. what's wrong with everybody doing it? Yeah. And I really feel like that about podcasting because I see the motherfuckers that's making the money. And, like, you know, just to be honest, I feel like I'm cold in a Joe Rogan. Oh, Just to be real. And this motherfucker is getting all kinds of money. It's like, how do we... And, and not that we got to break that shit down, but it's just like, let's normalize this shit where everybody, everybody feel like they could do it. Because everybody got something to say. And it's people that tell me all the time, like... I don't have the equipment. I don't have this. You don't need shit. Record on your fucking phone. Record anywhere. Like, it's that simple. I I hate, like, I'm going to be honest with you. If I could be all the way honest on this podcast. I ain't been promoting this podcasting course because it, it feels like I'm stealing, telling somebody how to do something that they could literally do for free. Um, Like, is all the information is there. I give it to you still. I still give it to you. You hit me up, I'm going to still give it to you. But it's like, damn, I got to put out a course to <laughs> try to inspire people to. Because that's really what it's selling is inspiration. Mm-hmm. And, um. I hear you. Yeah. Like this, um, I go back and forth with this, like, and he, he hears me talking about it all the time. This, like, conflict of, like, I don't like capitalism. You know, I, I don't like capitalism and, like, what it serves as but i also live in a world that that is in capitalism so like you like yeah i want to give you all this science shit for free listen i don't want to have to raise money for this i (laughs) wish (laughs) i want somebody to just say you doing good and like and and keeping it a thousand mic like this podcast my podcast is so expensive and i believe it and the money that i am you know developing it ain't even on some like i'm trying to be rich i don't pay myself from this i'm losing money doing this yeah i'm paying my team you know who helps and 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 it's important for them as creators to be paid for the work that they're doing so like 
yes, they could get the information for free, maybe. Yes. But it even is a it even is um a skill to know how to get the information. No, you're right. Yeah, you're right. You sell that shit. You're right. I mean, and, you know, <laughs> and inspiration is something that people sell too. Of course, of course. I mean, I mean, everything we buy into in some kind of way, like music, all that shit. Like, yeah, you're right. I don't think you should. Yeah, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have been doing this a long time. There's a lot of expertise. And I'd have been paid off this shit. That's why I feel like, yeah, I do. Like, I be seeing, I be seeing all these fucking podcast teachers that don't even be having podcasts that do shit, selling courses for like a thousand dollars. Because they shit. think they can do that. They think, but also like, you know, I, I mean, even when you teaching this course and telling people like, you know, all this shit for free, you know, <laughs> like I'm facilitating. Right, yeah. I'm providing the structure. Yeah. Because there's, I mean, like, there's a lot of things that we pay for that we could get for free. For sure. But in paying for it, uh, we take it a little bit more seriously. It comes with a little bit more structure. It comes with you holding the space for it specifically versus me being like, I'm going to get to this podcast and stuff one day, you know? Right. So, like, and I think one of the biggest things that you're doing is you're exposing exposure. You're, You're teaching kids to tell their story can you you think about how crazy that is as a child ain't nobody asked me (laughs) these kids gonna create their own jobs yeah like i was telling a parent a kid starting a podcast in seventh grade let's say they build their audience up till they 18 like it's there this is the future of podcasting Mm mm-hmm if you get the kids to start podcasts and when they adults, they still podcasting. And on that journey, they then brought a whole bunch of other people in the pot. Like podcasting can be the new social media. It can. It really can. Everybody can do this. Like just as you can express yourself in a picture, you could express yourself with your voice, all that shit. And also like, um, you know, seeing somebody's growth and like it's no different than reality tv or like scrolling through you know what i mean like every day like you know like and 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 like going you're talking about like structure and rules and stuff like that but like that is the structure like being you humanizing a voice humanizing a story every story is what you know what's really important about that yeah, that vulnerability. Listen, I, I like I said when I listened to the show the first time, and you was like, "Yo, I'm not even making this for y'all." <laughs> <laughs> I was now invested in you as a person. <laughs> you know, I was just like, "Okay, what? Well, like, let's go on this ride." And it and then it inspires me to like, shit. Let me go on mine too. You know, that's real. Um, and I got one more question for you in this section. Um, what, what advice would you give to a podcaster right now? Mm. Somebody that's thinking about getting into podcasting. Don't overthink it. Um... So this this sounds contradictory to overthinking it, but (laughs) being intentional. Okay. So 
if your intentions are set with the right thing in mind, for whatever reason you want to do it, just do it. Um, don't tie your, ooh, here's one. <laughs> don't tie yourself to a, a fixated thing. Allow and give yourself room to breathe. Like this is a living piece of art. Let it live. Okay. Let it breathe. Let it go in the directions that it's going to go. And don't try to fight that. When I was making my show in the first season, I was, you know, skated to be this Spotify-branded podcast with all this backings. People to this day still think that my podcast is funded by Spotify. <laughs> They're like, oh, I saw you on Spotify. People now tell me the same thing, and I'm like, no. Like, people really believe that this is a Spotify podcast. It's not. It's very independent. Mm-hmm. And that shit, I'm going to say it bothers me a little bit. Because <laughs> I'm like... Don't be giving them niggas credit. I did this. Exactly. <laughs> nah. Real shit. I mean, I, I, I love yeah. the people from over there, but at the same time, it's like, no, I built this shit. Yeah. With nobody's help. And I, it, I, I, they can't come and help. <laughs> but please help. <laughs> right. <laughs> but that, that's the thing. is, It's like, um, when we first were making the show, I a little part of me was like making this show to like get those buy-ins. Mm-hmm. And like, cause I, I deem going back to value system, I deem that as like valuable. And like now my value is like telling the story we want to tell and mm -hmm. having the freedom to tell it. Mm -hmm. So we don't take now we're we, like, and I got a lot of rejection in that first season, but was also met with a lot of like uh, prestige and awards and stuff like that. That really let me know that like, yo, I'm doing the right thing. Like I said, I said, I said, nigga, and they still gave me an award, dog. Like, <laughs> like you know, like, they they still gave me. And the people who I was afraid of listening to the podcast have been the people who gave me the biggest buy-in. So just, like, making those decisions of saying no, like, go with that first instinct of what you, what you like, that, that subconscious stream of thought. Just let yeah. it go. And so, um, yeah, just, like, not, not being tied to those, like, um, success metrics. And just allowing it to be free and dynamic and just, like, move and evolve and change and live. And your first episode ain't going to be as good as the last episode. And that's beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful. So a person who's just listening to your show and they growing with you, that is beautiful. So, yeah, that's. It is. That's what's up. So my next section uh, segment is called Ask Me a Question. And uh, I was gonna let Devin ask us some questions. Okay. If podcasting wasn't your current passion, what would it be? For me, like you mean, like if I wasn't doing podcasting? So yeah, so right because you've done music and you've done teaching and you've done all these things, and it kind of goes back to like when you found something special or something special. So right, mm -hmm. podcasting wasn't the thing that has your heart right now. The thing that you're doing for free, you know, putting everything in it, you know, whatever comes out of it comes out of it. You're just doing it because that's what you're drawn to do right now. If it wasn't going to be podcasting, right? You know, what what do you what would it be? For me, it would be music. And I mean, it's, it's still, it still is, you know, like I'm through podcasting, I'm reconnecting to it. Like I've been starting to freestyle on the beginning of my episodes and 
it's been inspiring me to like want to make music again and and just putting that energy into it and being intentional about it now when i was younger it was it was like i was just this raw talent and then trying to once you start making a little money it's like i want this money i'm trying to get this money i need this money that's the validation on my on my on my ego like that's what makes me feel good i'm good because i'm getting this and then once that goes away it's like do i still do this or i don't and i still continue to do it so like yeah i think that's always gonna be something that i just do forever um mine would be writing yeah he hear me talk about this all the time i'm always trying to write something but i ain't got the time to write it there's so many things that i uh stories and things and it, and it doesn't necessarily have to be just in written format but like i really if i had won the lottery today i would be writing probably writing books um just like uncovering all these stories and just uncovering things that just like blow my mind that i think other people might find interesting yeah um and telling and telling as many stories in the many different media formats as possible similarly you want everybody to, to be podcasting and like I, I want everybody to tell their story in whatever art form it, it makes sense to them and That's just like feel too. have the freedom to feel that way yeah like and have the freedom to also not think about did somebody like my shit mm-hmm. you know did somebody like sign off on it or whatever I used to think I couldn't draw Till I fucking drew something. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I could do this. It ain't about how good or bad it is. I just fucking did it. Like, some people don't even take the the opportunity to even try something just to say whether they, they can do it or not or like it or not. Like, And I'm, I wouldn't say I'm the best artist, but I'm not trying to be the best artist. Like, it makes me feel good to draw. So, like, painting is something for me also. Like, okay. I'll just paint some shit. Sometimes it don't be looking like shit at all. But it it is a release of feeling. Mm-hmm. I want everybody to be able to do that in whatever medium they want to. So like podcasting, music, writing, whatever people want to do, like just fucking do it. I just realized how I know I listen to your mixtape or listen to your music. So last time I came to LA, I was I always hook up with my homegirl Gabby. She's a podcaster too, and. Oh. Me and Gabby was going to come here, actually, to co-work. And at the time, Gabby's co, like, co-podcasting like co person that she has for her podcast was in town. Her name is Martina. <laughs> and I said, Mike, this is right after the Spotify thing we connected. I said, Mike, I'm doing like a co-working podcast meetup. Pull that up. Dope. Pull up. Pull up. You got to meet these women. Pull up. He pulled up. It's like a Monday on 1 o'clock in the afternoon or something. <laughs> he pulled up. Gabby pulled up. Martina pulled up. We all just talking, talking, talking. And Martina realizes <laughs> that she knows him. Because he used to be the music producer for her old podcast. <laughs> and they had world. never met never in person. Met in person. What? You never met him? Like, uh, oh, wow. They had never yep. met in person. So I feel like we got some weird like connections. We share some we share some kindred spirits cuz even Devin was like, yeah. you know, like we definitely do. When you told me Devin, I was like that nigga's like family. Like <laughs> that nigga came with us to my mama. Yeah. <laughs> we had some moments in the room. 
And that's so crazy. Doing his self help book in the room. Right, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, I, I, I got time. I can actually go through and do it. Like, it's, it's, yeah. Yeah. It's a, be- it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Another question. Also, uh, to the point that y'all just made about people hooking up in Lincoln and just small world, uh, one of her, one of our friends, I, I'm claiming her now because she's our friend now. She was her friend. Um, but uh, our friend Saf says uh, it's a, a law of nature that real niggas going to connect. Every That's time. a fact. That's a fact. Every time. That's so a I'm fact. not surprised. I'm not surprised. All right, y'all ready for question number two? Yeah. What are you two? You two successful, passionate artists, scientists, just great people. What are you two, as we sit here in Los Angeles, what message do you have for folks back in New Orleans as Mm. children of the city? The first thing that came to mind for me was really to to tell people to just be kind to each other man like i feel like and this is just from the outside looking in it just seemed like people don't value life in new orleans like motherfuckers will kill each other like it ain't nothing like niggas don't have kids families and all that shit and in the last year i feel like i know at least four people that have died by somebody killing them only from New Orleans. I don't know no other city where I know people where it's like that. And that shit blows my mind. So I think, yeah, for the, for the kids in New Orleans, like, man, love yourself, love your people, and shit, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things that New Orleans has is a lot of, like, history and traditions and a lot of the ways we were brought up and even how the how politics works in New Orleans is very much so because we did it this way. Yeah. And this is how uh, we did it. And this is what we did. Um, and I think as a consequence to that, and I don't know if this is a New Orleans specific thing. This is just my experience that it is very hard to be open to. And I'm just going to say open. I'm not even going to say open particularly in a different way, but like just being open to the ideas or the things that you know. Yeah. Be open to possibilities outside of that. Yeah. So um, I, I feel like a lot of the challenges I have when I'm thinking about New Orleans and the way that I brought was brought up was that this thing is this way. And just like being open to the idea that it may not be this way and not being afraid of that, but that's scary as shit, you know? Um, But like being open to like, Oh, it might not be this way. It could be this way. Just like the open to the possibility, just like even thinking about it. Another, another going to the word open. Another thing I had a hard time with this is like opening your heart. I was reading this book. What was the name? I don't remember the name of this book. This book was basically, I, I, it was like a, a way to go to meditation. Like, if you ever needed to justify meditation, you should all listen to read this book. I can't think of the name of it, but I'm going to send it to you, Mike. Um, I listened to this book. One of the chapters was like, open your heart. And I'm like, this is some cheesy shit, right? Open your heart. But, like, it was really real. Yeah. Like, I've never thought about how many things I missed out on just out of fear of, like, having an open heart. 
Yeah. And the biggest fear when you when you talk about this is like I have I'm I'm not as open because I'm afraid of being hurt. Yeah. But then when you realize and in this book it was like, you know, you cannot avoid being hurt. Yeah. There is no way to avoid it. But if you walk around being closed, you're never going to understand the possibility of being loved or to be to feel these things, right? So be open in realizing that you're going to feel hurt. You're going to feel pain. And when you feel these things, you are also going to be okay. Um, and it's a part of the human experience. And so I just feel like being open in general to the realms outside of the realms of the things that we've been like confined to think about holds so much more possibility into what you were saying, just being kindness and loving each other. If yeah. we were so much more open, imagine, yeah. imagine that. And I think, you know, just from, like I said, I'm from Houston, lived in New Orleans, but just getting out of the South and experiencing different shit, I think just stepping out of that bubble sometimes could just open you up to, like, the world ain't just my my bubble, you know? That's that. I think that's the lesson that you learn. You have to leave to learn. You're right. That's one of those things you have to learn. Um, okay. Uh, feel free to tell me not to use this question, but I'm going to take some license since I think I'm fairly close with both of you guys. Um, and I know that both of you guys, um, you know, in the vein of vulnerability, in the vein of, uh, you know, you know, uh, family trees and passing down uh, legacies and things like that. I know you guys both have to really had to have had two really special grandparents. Um, and I just want you, if you feel comfortable, could you just tell, just give me sort of a lesson that you've learned from your grandparent? <laughs> the first one that comes to mind, um, my grandmother used to always say, uh, you came in, like she used to always say, you came in this world by yourself, you're gonna leave by yourself. It's like you might as well just do what you wanna do. And also, just like, you know, everybody got their own mind. And I used, like, those two things, I used to like just stand out to me, like, yeah, you don't have to think like everybody else, you know? You can, and, and I feel like, I feel like I've always been a little different. Like I said, like I told y'all earlier, I was always an introvert. So like, I think I was a little different than everybody else. And like, she made me co feel comfortable in like just being able to be my full self. That's dope. Um, sorry, I was just so enamored. I'm like, what was I gonna say? Um, so mine is definitely uh, my grandfather. Uh, and so, gosh, there's so many things that, um, you know, he taught. One of the biggest things that I would say, um, and he never really told me this. I kind of saw this through his expression. Yeah. Um, which was 
don't be afraid um, to believe in the things you believe in, mm -hmm. even if they don't make sense to other people. My grandfather never did a genetic test a day in his life, right? But he knew that he had connections in Ghana, okay? And he, you know, we didn't have Google and all this other stuff, so he would travel to Ghana every year. He would wow. bring back stuff, all the stuff. And he would always take people, too. He was always big on, like, I want you to see what I see. I want you to see what I see. I'm really big on that, too. But he would um, do that. And then he would come back, and he would wear his dashikis in the 90s. And people didn't understand it. In fact, like, he would, uh, my family got put out of Zulu, the social club, because they would show up and, and Kente and all this other stuff once they felt the need. And they were like, nah, you got to wear suits when you come up in here. And it would have been very easy for him to go home and put on that tuxedo. But he decided, y'all not ready for me and what I need to put out in this world. Another thing, he I, he didn't teach me, but I'm I'm teachings from watching him is um, create community. Create community even in spaces where you may not actually want to uh, be in. And so I'm I'm talk a little bit about uh, church and religion. I, I, I go back, my grandfather passed away in 2003 and I had these conversations with various people in my family on like if he was really a Christian or not. Because he was just such a like you read some of the things he wrote and like the ways that he just thought about things is things that we're talking about now when you hear yeah. have the biggest push of black people pushing away from um kind of like structured religion and so i um uh, took that and was just kind of like you can be in a place that you may not necessarily believe in all the things that people are doing and you can create community and it still be a beautiful thing. And I think he saw Christianity in the black church as like this really huge value of community. Yeah. And he was able to separate the things that he really disliked about Christianity, or I shouldn't even say Christianity, not the written text, but the way it is teached and the culture of it from what he believed in community wise and the value so he saw the positives he was able to be there even in rooms with people who you may not agree with who may not like him wearing that daishiki and say but you know what this community that i'm building here is bigger than that yeah it's bigger than that and then i think about if we could get over those little things that like we get hung up on how much more community will we be making you know right. how many more people will feel loved if we can come over these little hurdles and just constantly asking myself um one of the things I, I talk like learned in like therapy is like to just play with those feelings of discomfort you ever be in your day and like something happens and you don't know why but like your mood shift yeah like damn like I never like sat and let myself like yo why did I feel this way yeah it just sit and be like yeah I'm sad and I'm sad because this. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to sit here and I'm going to let myself feel sad. And it's going to pass through me. And sometimes it passes fast. And sometimes it passes slow. But like acknowledging and letting myself feel that shit. When you acknowledge it, it feels like it's easier to get through it. Not easier, but it, it, it you get through it a little quicker. You're like, yeah, I'm sad. <laughs> People get sad. You know? And for my very last question, I will say... Uh, Five years from now, after you have your 50,000 uh, weekly weekly viewers, uh, listeners, 
uh, after you have your 50,000 weekly listeners and you've published your five articles and finally wrote the book that you finally always that you know we all know is coming can't wait um and you've done all all of the sort of the, the things that that are kind of your goals right now your your short to intermediate sort of term goals uh you've done it all right you've done it you've had this you have the success from it what are we doing next I think for me, just with everything I want to do, like I really want to help people heal and inspire them. And I know my way of doing it is through audio. So, I mean, I see myself just diving deeper into like creating experiences with audio, music, events. But like, y'all ever been to like these soundscape rooms where like you walk in a room, it may be a video of like the ocean, but then it's like, the sounds around you and shit shit like that i mean i i just want to i just want to create more experiences and shit um like i'd be lying if i told you where i thought i was gonna be because i didn't think i was gonna be here <laughs> and that's just being real and, and when i say here i mean like i ain't know i was gonna make it out of houston you know what i'm saying so i have ideas of where i would like to go but I'm open to where the journey takes me. That's dope. One of the things I um, I had said once, I love Afrofuturism, like love it. And uh, one of the particular things I love about Afrofuturism is just like the freedom of like black people seeing themselves in the future. Yeah. Like, this shit sounds wild. White people think about this shit all the time. You That's know, real. like they think about their life as elderly people. A lot of black people don't even have like the privilege in the, of the thought yeah. of thinking about ourselves in the future. So hearing you say that is like completely that that's what that's what clicked with me. You um, know, I've, I've, I used to think about shit like that. Like I used to always tell myself I was going to be a shaman <laughs> and I was going to have like a ranch with a dog and people could just come. And, you know, I guide them through spiritual trips and shit like that. But I don't know. I feel so like just like I got to be here right now, you know, as opposed to being so in the future. But you are absolutely right, because I, I really can't think of what the fuck being old, like what I've really ever thought of from being old. I never thought about it. Mm hmm. Yeah. I mean, uh, OK, so me five years from now, um, man, uh Honestly, I do. I I really want. This sounds really cheesy, but maybe not. Like I really want medicine, um, health. Oh, okay. So recently heard Obama talk. You know that was cool, and one of the things he said was that um, he wants us. He wished that our healthcare system was focused on health and not medicine. Mm. Like literally like upkeep you like your day-to-day like not associated with a disease or associated with a condition Mm -hmm. just like why is it just not about overall health and so for me in five years if you know accomplishing the things that I want to accomplish I really want you know us as black people to be able to have the freedom to think about our health 
not tied to death or disease or whatever. I want us to be able to um, think and see ourselves in the future and be equipped and ready for the things we will have access to, at least from genetics perspective, what they all mean, right? Because yeah. all this stuff is going to come real fast. Technology is going to come with us real fast. I just want us to have access to all the information at our fingertips, right? Um, so those are, I mean, I don't know what that looks like per se, um, but I see myself doing something very similar, if not the same thing of what I'm doing now. It, yeah. it, it evolving. Um, hopefully not the, don't want to be the only one doing it, you know? Um, yeah. And, and telling more stories through the genome. So. <laughs> That's what's up. Thank you, Devin, for those questions. Those are great. Thank you. So this is our last segment. It is called Five Questions of Freedom, and it is sponsored by Feel Free to Feel Free. Okay. The first question is New York or L.A.? Do I get an explanation or I just got a fire shoot? Um, if you want to give an explanation, you can. Okay, just so you know, I'm a diehard New York person. Okay. Die like Moody, New York. Very not long after, like I feel like I tell people all the time, I was born in New Orleans, but I grew up in like I grew up in Brooklyn. Like I became like my identity, my womanhood was in Brooklyn. And so I'm like, oh, New York, New York, New York. Then the pandemic happened and all my friends from New York was like, I'm going to L.A. and getting some sunshine. And I go back to New York and I'm like, man, this was a hard life. <laughs> this was a hard life. Now, I, you know, when you were in New York, you justifying it. But yeah, as you know, it made me better. You know, like I needed that cold, you know, like <laughs> what? Like and then, you know, one of my friends is like, yo, the soft life. Like, let's just. Let's just live in the soft life, you know, and I can be very type A. So like New York rigid, like ugh, it kind of like fits. Then there's this like L.A. And I'm like, I used to be so anti-L.A. Yeah. I used to be so anti-L.A. Probably when the first time I met you, I was like, oh, L.A. don't have no thinkers. <laughs> you know, everybody's just like, whatever, whatever. But yeah. there's like certain beauty in that, too. Um, oh, man. And the weather, like this sun, sun is such a big part of like my mental health. I didn't even yeah, realize yeah. it. When I was a little kid in New Orleans, I wanted blackout curtains. I didn't want to go outside. Outside smell like outside. No, <laughs> I ain't doing it. I, yeah. you know. And now I'm like, man, if it don't got a sunroof, I'm not riding in it. That's so, right. Yeah. <laughs> like I gotta have all, open all the windows. You are gonna see me, whatever. Um, but yeah, so <sighs> New York or L.A. Um, right now I'm leaning more LA. Okay. I've done New York. I know everything there is to know. I mean, not everything there is to know, but like I've experienced New York. Um, I feel like it served a really important purpose in my life and I'm forever grateful and I'm always going to love New York. Um, but if I had to pick between the two, I would pick LA just off the simple fact that I haven't tried it. That's And the sun is good for my mental health. Um, second question is bounce music or Afrobeat? Bounce. <laughs> That's not even a, is that a question? <laughs> what? Bounce. <laughs> a bounce beat on some Afrobeats. Have you okay. heard that Essence bounce? No. Oh, you heard it? That Wiz Kid Essence? Y'all all heard. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty maybe, sure. Maybe, maybe. 
I'm pretty sure you've heard it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I got to see you, Big Dick Gregory. Which, ironically, was based off of a bounce, an old bounce song. Yeah. And when you hear, you may pick, I didn't even pick up on it the first chance, but I'm going to send it to you. Okay. I appreciate that. Um, That was three. I know it's two. Um, if you weren't a scientist or a podcaster, what would you be? Hmm. I mean, I have a lot of trades. I do. I be doing this hair. I be doing hair. I do hair. Uh, probably art. Probably visual art. So when you were talking about painting, he looked at me because I used to be in gifted art. Okay. In high school, I painted a few murals in my day. Oh, that's what's up. Yeah, used to paint, sketch a lot. Um, and, and that transitioned to like random crafting when I was in graduate school, and now it's like none, none. I don't do any of it, but I yeah. get such joy when I like do something artistic. Yeah. Even if it's like making an Instagram post, so like making my stories are weird, you know, I'd be like, you know, I just be into it, right? So any type of like artistic expression, um, and I think that that probably would be in the form of like a visual art. Uh, or, or music, you know, something along something along those lines. Yeah, I think. Yeah, that's what's up. Um, what advice would you give to your younger self? Kind of the conversation we were talking about earlier. Um, love the person that you're not proud of. Like. Even when I think about cringeworthy moments of that I've said, things I've said, I'm like, why did you say that? Or um, things, that I, the ways I allow people to treat me, very hard on that person. Like, I'm better than that now. Like, how yeah. could I? I would never let somebody do that to me. But, like, yo, it's so important to love that 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 girl, love that person who, you know, made mistakes. Like really really love that person um and not think of it as in terms of like a negative like connotation so yeah. love the person that you're not proud of that's that's what's up and last question is what is a reminder that you would give to your future self mm. You deserve everything that you have. Um, we talk about, you know, uh, I talk about a lot. Um, Devin and I talk about a lot of like sometimes I just sit and I look at the things that I have and I'm like, man. Like some things don't even seem like fathomable in my mind because I feel like I don't deserve it. Like it's too much. And shoot, it's okay. Like you deserve all the things like. I have a hard time taking compliments, you know, like if I'm a person, you give me a compliment. I'm like, but your shoes are nice, too. I don't even like your shoes. But, you yeah. know, like, but I want you to feel the same love you gave me. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's OK to say, like, I deserve this compliment. It can stand by itself. I like just get comfortable with, like, allowing those positive things to come in and um, and say, yeah, you know, like, you know, you, you deserve sponsorship for your podcast you know 
you deserve, you know, you deserve to, you know, create this community, be a part of this community. Uh, <laughs> you deserve to hold space. Yeah. You know, you deserve to say these like so just like just reminding myself like you do deserve this and it's okay to let yourself have it. You know, I think a lot of times I let I let guilt of we talking about earlier, like, oh, when I got the Spotify thing, I was crying because I was like, yo, me like I'm the I'm the vessel that was like chosen for this thing. Yeah. And um, and I was just thinking like all these other girls who who it could have been them, you know, um, and it could have been them. But it's also okay that it's you. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's okay that it's you. And like that's dope. You don't have to I don't have to carry that guilt around. I could hope that it's everybody else and also be happy that it's me. Yeah. And that's been hard. So like letting go of that guilt and being like, Yeah, you deserve like you deserve all these like special amazing things. I feel that. I feel that for sure. Um where can the people find you? Oh, in these streets? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Edit that. No, <laughs> I'm not in the streets at all. Um, but um, you can find me on Instagram. We our podcast in those jeans pod. We're taking a little Instagram hiatus right now. Um, you know, this has been a, a little break for the podcast. And you can also find me at um, DJ Squared. I am not a DJ. <laughs> DJ Squared is Dr. Janina Jeff, just the J's twice. Um, but yes, so you can find me there, same where on Twitter. And you can listen to the podcast anywhere you hear your podcast. That's what's up, Devin. You want to let the people know where they can find you? You can find me wherever Dr. D- Janina Jeff is. I'm probably right, like, to her right or left <laughs> or right behind her. Um, you can find me somehow in the back corner of a weird room in a random spot with two really dope people doing some dope things on a random Monday with no idea how I actually got here, but just grateful that I am here. That's what's up, man. I appreciate y'all so much for coming on the show. I'm grateful. We've been talking about this for a while, so I'm so I'm so like so happy and just all the things that you're doing. This might be my longest episode. Okay. Which is dope because really. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because is that? I think that's two hours that we at. Is it? I don't know. Yeah, I think yeah, we, had, two we had two hours. All right. Just went on five minutes ago. Right? <laughs> but I'm going to give them probably half of it and they can get the other half on Patreon. Whatever, whatever you, however you decide to use the content, I'm signing my rights over. <laughs> Take it, use all of it. You know? Um, no, but like on some serious stuff, though, like, um, you know, thank you for making the things that you make. I appreciate that. Um, and you, even if you me. ain't even even if you making it for you, uh, it's helping other people. So never stop doing that. I appreciate and, that. Um, yeah, like that. That shit is very inspirational and healing. Yeah. And healing. So. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank y'all for coming on the show. <laughs> I was just happy y'all let me sit and listen. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
funny. That's funny. This is great. This is great. Let's get a photo real quick. Yes. Thank y'all for tuning in. This is Mike Brown, and this is The Art of Letting Go. Peace.